Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Debate with Sam and Tate, brought to you by DrRoto.com. Get your daily prescription of fantasy sports. I am Sam Holt, joined as always by my wonderful co-host Derek Tate. Derek, how the hell are you? We are a week away, a week away from football. How many days is that? Like eight. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I mean it's Wednesday right now, but when this airs, it's Thursday, so technically seven days. <laughs> technically seven days, and you know. <laughs> I'm not used to this, but my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defending Super Bowl champions, get to open the season against the Dallas Cowboys and whoop their ass on national television. You I know. must be so excited. I am. I am. <laughs> Did you? Can you believe that ESPN actually had a list that ranked Dak Prescott ahead of Tom Brady? The audacity? Come on. I mean, my goodness. The disrespect. Come on. Ryan Come on. out loud. Get out of here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely ready. Need one more chip on his shoulder, probably not. Yeah, I so I I did a college football highlight tonight. I even went full announcer voice right there, like college football, it's back. You know, and I slammed the table. I was like, we are back. You know, I did like a a clap and hot hot into the into the microphone and everything. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit too much, but that's just me. I'm too excited. We got football back, and speaking of football, fantasy football is back as of next week. So, uh, but we we got a lot of cuts, a lot of roster moves, and a lot of movers and shakers heading into the final week of draft week. Absolutely. I want to talk about one cut specifically that surprised a lot of people this week and one injury that definitely caught us all off guard. So let's kick it off first with quarterbacks and the surprise of the week, although not for everyone because our own Doc called this he called this i mean of course he would he's doc he's gonna always call some he's gonna call these crazy things and it's gonna happen so if you're not following doc on twitter and on everything and have subscribed yet to drro.com you absolutely should because everyone there knows their stuff so doc predicted this but they cut cam newton on the patriots it is mac jones whole game he, he is running the patriots offense him and bill belichick just holding hands skipping through a field did you see this coming? I'm I'm still surprised. I think when you invest a first round pick, in particular Bill Belichick, invest a first round pick in anybody, that kind of tips the hand of they want this person to be a big part of whatever their plans are uh, for that season and beyond, in particular the quarterback position. And we saw that they brought Cam back on like a one year deal. So the writing was kind of on the wall that, you know, they're not committing to Cam Newton long-term. You know, I kind of feel like Cam still kind of got a little bit of a bad rap last year. I mean, look at what he had to work with as far as weapons go. So the point is, I I, I mean, Doc did kind of diagnose this one, you know, kind of throw a doctor pun in there. He kind of diagnosed the situation appropriately. Um, And he's high on Mac Jones. I'm not high on Mac for like fantasy purposes. Cam, on the other hand, he's – you know, now available and he's probably the best quarterback on the open market. Uh, but I, I kind of, I didn't think he'd be released. I thought he had a very good preseason to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, so I'm a little bit surprised, but that whole five days of having to be away from the football team, you know, maybe they saw enough in practice to go ahead and feel comfortable with Mac Jones. Uh, and that kind of was like what sealed Cam's fate there in New England. Sure. But I mean, just to, just to cut him completely, not even to say, okay, you know what? We're starting with Mac this in week one. We're just going to start with him and you're going to ride the bench. Like that to me was a, a big, you know, cold shoulder. Everyone's saying, you know, Bill Belichick's going to go and cold heartedly make the cuts, you know, 
what's the quote from draft day? I'm going to do what's best for my team. Like that's kind of the whole mentality that Bill had going into this week of just do what's best for the team. So that's just, it's so cold. I'm cold and I'm in California and it's always hot here. I need a blankie for cam. (laughs) And I'm sure cam's got like some sort of something in his wardrobe that pretty much represents a blanket or something because that guy's just got everything. Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But cam, unfortunately, yeah, just a, a little bit of a bad rap slash uh, I would call it a very unsuccessful, you know, tenure there in New England. Uh, but, you know, to go ahead and fancy diagnose sure. the situation, reassess it now, right? Yeah. Who is the biggest winner from this entire situation? I mean, I'm going to say it's the running back core and the pass catchers, and it's got to be James White, Damian Harris. They're going to be seeing an uptick in targets and an uptick in opportunities to finish at the goal line, where otherwise Cam would have run at him himself. So to me, they're the biggest beneficiaries right off the bat in terms of immediate value you're going to see in your drafts if you're still drafting this weekend. I think you diagnosed it perfectly. Um, when it comes to – yeah, tip of the hat. Um, <laughs> no, so it's not often I agree with you, but, I mean, there you go. Um, Damien Harris in particular, though, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no Sony Michelle around. I believe that he's going to be the easy early down back, in particular short yardage work. Uh, sure, James White will be sprinkled in here and there when they mm-hmm. just decide to go no huddle or, you know, it's late in the half or something like that. But it's Bill, he loves James White. Does. And James White's a nice player. And yeah. In particular, though, Damien Harris probably has an exposure and a realistic opportunity to probably punch in another two to five short yardage studies uh, that would probably be eaten up by Cam Newton because certainly Mac Jones is not going to be doing any sort of quarterback powers from inside the three-yard line. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Damian Harris is the winner. But, you know, also Mac, I think that he's – I'm not going to say he's further along than where Cam Newton is, but there's a lot of things between the ears, able to diagnose and get the ball out of his hands. At least that's what we saw consistently out of the University of Alabama, and we saw glimpses of it in the uh, preseason. So, you know. So would you even give an uptick to Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers? I would say – I would say Jacoby Myers, I, because I'm not going to say that Nelson Aguilar is a one-trick pony and just gets downfield, but uh, I think that that's probably the strength of his game. Jacoby, I think, is going to probably benefit the most, uh, and maybe James White. So um, those two in particular, as far as their passing volume goes. Gotcha. And then in terms of where you see Cam going this year, I mean, I think there's definitely plenty of teams that have made a lot of deep cuts at their rosters and they could stand to benefit from someone with his wealth of knowledge, but also that fits well into the scheme. I mean, I've got a couple teams written down here that I think kind of make a lot of sense, like the Ravens, maybe I'm thinking actually makes sense because if you look at their depth chart right now behind Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley, I get it. No, I I, like, we're talking about depth though. And I mean, obviously with what Greg Roman's, offense does there with you know one of the most complex running schemes that's been I don't think anybody's really been able to fully diagnose it they they've definitely hit some speed bumps in the playoffs but mm-hmm. yeah I mean Cam's rushing capabilities certainly I think could, it fits well there could yeah yeah um that's one place that's an interesting you know backup in particular for for Lamar Jackson who has proved durable during his NFL career but certainly with how much rushing 
um, duties he handles in that offense certainly exposes himself to more hits. So having a competent backup in particular, one that is arguably the best dual threat quarterback we've ever seen in yeah. Cam Newton uh, certainly, you know, intrigues me. I think if he wants to play though, mm-hmm. Houston makes sense. Houston's another one that I have written down just because I mean, I don't, and it's no offense to Tyrod Taylor, but he's now on his fifth team. So I just kind of wonder, and I know that he's been bounced around a lot. He's kind of been a forever mm. backup, but I kind of wonder if Houston's still trying to figure things out because obviously we still don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. He did make the cut on the 53 man roster. So he is on the team, but there are, there is speculation that he is on the team, but he will not play a single. He's going to be a healthy, he's going to be a healthy scratch unless they trade him. So absolutely. So someone like him also makes sense for them because if they're still trying to, you know, figure different things out with that offense with Tyrod, I just, I don't know. I just kind of don't want him to go to Houston because I feel like that's where players just go to like not do anything. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a hot mess. And the the, the thing is, even if they were to sign Cam Newton today, Mm -hmm. we're one week away from the start of the NFL season, you know, 10 days if you're playing on Sunday. Right. And quarterback is not a position unless you're coming from the exact same system, uh, same offensive coordinator that you've played with before that learning that verbiage, a new language, how to get in and out of the huddle by calling the plays, that stuff does not happen overnight. So I still think though, cam for me makes sense to go ahead and probably wait uh, to find out if somebody suffered like a contender suffers like a major injury to a quarterback yeah. a la maybe the pittsburgh steelers with ben roethlisberger how dare had, you how dare you wish ill on my team in any sense i'm not i'm not wishing ill you I'm knock on something you knock on something nearby i'm i Thank have a you. wooden table i have a wooden table okay i mean i apologize but i'm just saying ben's up there in age He's had plenty of injuries and nicks and bruises and all Broken kinds ribs. of stuff throughout a Hall yeah. of Fame career. Um, I per- and, and unless you feel good about Dwayne Haskins behind him, um, you know, I believe that Cam can come in and just in case something goes wrong with Ben, can sit there, learn the offense, and be called upon with a, I think, a contending roster uh, there in the AFC. And this isn't to say that I have all the faith in the world in Dwayne Haskins, but I just hope Ben doesn't get hurt because I feel like if Cam was a starting quarterback for the Steelers, the value of my wide receivers would just plummet. Najee Harris would still be incredibly viable and usable in all senses of the term because Cam was fantastic with another amazing pass catching running back that I think a lot of people still remember his name, Christian McCaffrey. I think that he's still, you know, not saying that he, Najee Harris is Christian McCaffrey, but he has comparable skill set that I can easily be utilized in a similar way. And the offense would just run through him. But I don't want to wear the tires out on my brand new running back that quickly. Like, no, I get it. I'm just thinking that Cam Newton's probably never had that level of a trio of receivers before in his career. Um, So, I mean, anyway, just I'm throwing out suggestions to quarter like to quarterbacks that don't have clear backups and have had durability issues in the past. And, you know, I'm I'm not wishing it upon Ben Roethlisberger. I'm simply stating that it is in the realm of outcomes. I will take it less personally. Thank you. Thank you. But one more team just quickly. Um, 
the Washington football team behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. Is there, if Ron is Rivera that wanted him, he could have got him last year. This is true. Like that little connection, or is it just I like know. a I deleted your number never again? I I I believe that Ron has made it pretty pretty obvious at this point. Kind of like unfollowed him on social media, maybe even blocked him in a couple places. Like <laughs> time to move on uh, from that. But I, I I understand. So that I understand though, because there's a familiarity with the two, but. I just think that if it was going to happen, it was going to happen last year. So we're not going to make Cam Newton happen with the Washington football team, no. just like we're not going to try and make fetch happen here on the fantasy debate. We are going to no. move on. Moving move on. on. Let, just to button it up then, Mac Jones fantasy value this year in a two quarterback format, would you team. throw him on the bench maybe? No. No. In a dynasty format, would you grab him just to throw him on a deep bench? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's important for people to hear that distinction because you hear someone's got the starting job and they think, oh, that means they're viable. No, there's plenty of other quarterbacks that are viable. Don't go crazy and throw them on your draft board like some insane person. Patriots want to run the football and play defense. That's how they want to win win football games. So science. Just it doesn't it doesn't equal a whole lot of fantasy success for a rookie quarterback. It doesn't, no, absolutely. But you know, exciting to see what this young quarterback can Me do too. with that offense and Me you know too. who he can connect with um, in the right wide receiver core, who he's going to get a connection with to actually have some success. That's fun. Exciting to see, but not a gamble that you want to take on your fantasy roster. He did a whole lot of high level stuff at Alabama between the ears, getting the ball out of his hands. I think he's an accurate thrower of the football. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm pumped to see that they've already made the commitment to him and we're going to see what Mac Jones has to offer in 2021 and beyond. Absolutely. And beyond, is that a Toy Story reference right there? I, I didn't try to. I mean, I, <laughs> you didn't try to, but I, I can hear it. Don't, <laughs> I, uh, I watched too many kids' movies with Baby K. My apologies. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I'm here for it. You know me. Um, let's move on to the injury heard around the league on this past weekend, which was J.K. Dobbins obviously tearing his ACL. Condolences. Right. Obviously, he's young. He's going to come back from this injury, getting hurt this time of the year. I feel like he'll make a full recovery in order to get back in time for next season. Mm -hmm. You know, he's an amazingly talented back. Hopefully he has a speedy, wonderful recovery. A lot of backs do come back from this injury. It's not, it's not the end of a career like it used to be. So well wishes. Yeah. No, well Well wishes wishes. and speedy recovery. Absolutely. And then the person that's taking, you know, all of the carries after him next man up on the roster is Gus Edwards. And so he is firing up and down draft boards all over the place. I just had a draft today where I took him in the fifth and for a second, I thought it was too high, but comparing ADPs, it looks like I took him exactly where I should. Right now. I'm not hesitant to throw a fourth or a fifth rounder in a 12 team league. In fact, I'm in a standard. I'm okay. Even taking him in like the, the third, I, I don't know if but I'd get him standard in a standard, in a yeah. standard league. I would definitely 100% be okay. Taking him in the third, just such a run heavy scheme. I mean, um, run first it, offense. If there ever was one and Gus is a downhill physical runner that meshes well with a lot of those read concepts that get him moving downhill and makes the defense have to make business decisions really damn quick. Uh, and you better be sound in your gap assignments. Otherwise the, the Ravens are going to run the football down your throat for over 200 yards in a game. So Gus is going to do his thing. Now the, the battle behind Gus, because this offense has sustained multiple running backs before. So I mean, uh, Gus and Mark Ingram once upon a time, Gus mm-hmm. and JK Dobbins last year for moments. 
um, even with all the contributions of, from Lamar Jackson. So now who's the guy? It looks like it's Tyson Williams, believe it or not. Like, yeah, I mean, it, he leapfrogged Justice Hill. So I even think he's worth like a, a late round dart throw in fantasy drafts just to see what his role is to open the year. I mean, that's a really great point. I mean, obviously, you kind of think, well, why would I t- roll the dice on someone like that? But if you're picking up someone like Tyson Williams, even Justice Hill, at the very end of a draft, it's a worthwhile flyer, like we said, yeah. on a run-heavy team. And last year, when Gus wasn't even the featured back, he still had 144 attempts, which was his high for his career, and he had six touchdowns, and that was behind J.K. Dobbins, playing second fiddle to him. So he was still having a heavy amount of volume. Now, he's not going to have the receptions that you want in PPR at all. He had nine last year. That's nothing to get excited about. Um, but he, like you said, he's a downhill runner. He's going to have the attempts. He's going to get fed the ball early and often. But I just wonder if he's going to see 200-plus carries. And if he sees 200-plus carries in this offense, you know, Ooh. then we're talking about a guy who's, you know, flirting potentially with his touchdown potential with somewhere around a top 12 finish. Uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, it's just, what is that role going to be from another contributor in that backfield? Does another back contribute in that backfield? We will see. Absolutely. No, that's something that people need to pay attention to just because that is the scheme that they run. And if it's not going to be Gus, it's going to be someone else. If it's not Lamar, that's, just going to open up the field at the back for them. And that's right. it's potential. It's potential attempts that if you are strapped at running back and you, we start seeing a certain player rise, you don't want to be missing that train. Correct. So I, I just think it's it Gus Edwards though, right now it's, he presents a lot of interesting decisions for fantasy drafters right now. Like what do you do? Is it either or like, it's a tough call. I mean, Gus in the offense all of a sudden has a has a brand new ceiling. I know I talked we talked about it way back when on our running back special. You mm-hmm. know, who do we like? I liked him late round. You didn't like it. It <laughs> the situation has changed the situation drastically. Has changed. I like it drastically. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to look really good on my fantasy football receipt. But um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And because of you, I took him really late in a draft that I had the week before this injury. So I stashed him on a bench for like $2 in a salary league. So just, yeah, you know, I, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It came at the expense of JK Dobbins. It but... is. You never want to see it. You don't want to yeah. see it. No one wants to see it. No, no it's not no, fair. Exactly. Um, but when you're looking at where he's sitting, so in that fifth, fourth round, you're saying in standard, you'd be okay with taking him in the third. I would. I would. And that's because of, you know, the low, low floor that he has for receiving in a standard league. Obviously, you don't have to worry about those single points per reception that you do in PPR. So when you're looking at that from the PPR lens, getting that lens back on and you're looking at who else is around in the fifth round, Mm -hmm. Kareem Hunt, obviously, to me, kind of tips the scales in a better favor in PPR because I think he's going to be getting a lot more receptions than Gus Edwards. So if you're sitting there in the fifth looking for a running back, I mean, for me, I would prefer Kareem Hunt. In a PPR, it would be hard to pass on Kareem Hunt, even though I just, we don't, I'll ask you, do you see Tyson Williams or Justice Hill? Do you see either of them seeing a hundred carries? 
No, but I mean, each Dobbins and Edwards last year had over 100 carries. But that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, so, that's, like, that's, J- that's J.K. Dobbins, though. I mean, Dobbins was a second-round pick out of Ohio State. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, again, two different draft pedigrees, two different levels of talent. I'm not saying Tyson Williams is a scrub or anything or, or just no. Bill. I'm just simply saying that, I, yeah, they'll get Gus Edwards off the field on third downs. I just, outside of that, in a run-heavy scheme, it's going to be mostly Gus Edwards on first and second down, which is a very variable thing for a running back. Um, Absolutely. So I, I, I would still, I would still go Kareem Hunt in the PPR, though. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I'm going to be coming out with a buy, sell, hold article next week, and Gus Edwards will be on it. He will be on my sell list, and that's as in terms of selling high to a sad J.K. Dobbins owner. <laughs> You capitalize. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of sad, sad, a lot of sad shareholders out there. So, because a lot of people that took Gus Edwards prior to this got him at a very cheap price. So I think that you can benefit most in this situation on someone that maybe drafted zero RB, and they're kind of looking and sitting and seeing who's going to be bringing in those first week points, and maybe not that excited about it. So I'm thinking that that could be someone that you would you'd want to sell to capitalize on. So look for those owners that maybe aren't sitting as pretty at running back right now. Maybe they're a little bit nervous and maybe you can capitalize on that. Not to take advantage of people, but it's fantasy football. We're here to win. It is fantasy football. So, and the market changes it, as you can see already, like, you know, it changes drastically week to week. So capitalize on it. Capitalize on it. And and you have a great pedigree to go and, you know, sell him on. He is uh, the number one running back on a run first offense. He's well, why don't you want him? Because I have other people. So sometimes it's like, sometimes it's really that simple. Sometimes it really is. Now I just had a work draft tonight. Um, this is airing tomorrow. So yesterday I had a work draft. And I like I said, I took uh Gus Edwards in the fifth round, but I was going back and forth in the second and the third, and I ended right. up taking Josh Allen in the third because I was drafting with a bunch of people that decided let's just take all the running backs and just kind of messed up my scheme a little bit. I was like None of you are drafting the way that you should. Did someone take a kicker? I just was confused. So when it gets that way, it can be a bit disconcerting. But when you're looking at the second round and you're looking at running backs to take, I'm looking at the top end of the second round in ADP formats, and I'm seeing Najee Harris, who who went in the first. So I didn't even get a, a look at him, which would make me sad. Wow. It was it was brutal. It was brutal. Um but I was also looking down the barrel at Joe Mixon. And I say down the barrel because you know how I feel about Joe Mixon. Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Chris Carson. David Montgomery wasn't there. It was just – and he would he would have been someone I wanted in that next top tier just based okay. on the volume that I see coming with um, Justin Fields. So for me, should I have not hedged my bets and not been so scared of getting Joe Mixon or would it have been okay to take him there? It would have been okay. I would, I mean, personally, I know how you just described it, but that yeah. tier, I would have gone David Monk. I'm going David Montgomery. Then I'm going, um, who, who else did you say was in the tier? Joe Mixon and who else? Uh, Clyde Edwards, Chris Carson, Carson. Okay. So I'm going, I'm going, um, Montgomery, Carson, Mixon, and then Clyde Edwards, Elaire. Gotcha. Yeah. So I went uh, Cook and Calvin Ridley. I ended up pivoting and just going wide receiver because I didn't want to make that decision um, as one does. And you let the draft fall to you. Right. And then I went Josh Allen and then I went CeeDee Lamb because he ended okay. up falling because everyone That's got far concerned. away from CeeDee Lamb to fall. 
Yeah, it's because he had a little red O next to his name, and everyone's like, what happened? Is he out? And I'm like, yeah, clearly. And then I'm just looking. He's on the COVID list. He's fine. So I, I ended up benefiting from no one really understanding what the red O meant. So, you know. <laughs> well played. Hey, this is how we win. <laughs> and that's how I ended up with Gus in the fifth. So you just got to clean up the way you can and, you know, let the draft fall to you. It feels like stealing a little bit to take a CD. I mean, it, it also played well for me in a 16-team league where I got James Robinson third. Like, you know. When Travis Etienne got hurt, like, uh, yeah, I mean, so it happens. It happens. You just got to let it fall to you. I know. I know. I'm just, you're just so dang lucky. I'm, I'm glad I was lucky in that bring... league. I was definitely lucky in that league. You're just also grateful that you got to bring that up one more time. Now, let me just look at wide receivers in that second, third round tier, and we'll just let okay. it end it there because I, I feel like a lot of people go back and forth. And I know we talk about, we always have to have a plan when you're going to these drafts, but obviously, the draft is going to fall to you how it does. And in my situation, I wasn't ready to make that pivot or make that pick at running back with what was given to me. So I pivoted and I knew who I loved in that second tier for wide receivers. So I knew I was safe with my Calvin Ridley pick. So when you're looking in that second round, obviously you've got Hopkins, Ridley, Metcalf, obviously. And also Metcalf went fourth in this league. I don't know how that happened. overall. Yeah. It's because oh. someone had Seahawks in their name. I don't know. It was, Clearly I mean, I, I get it. DK is a beast, but, I but mean, damn. Yeah, I know. It was weird. I will stop digressing and get back to the task at hand. So, okay. <laughs> Ridley, Metcalf. Ridley, Metcalf, and Justin Jefferson. Looking at just that chunk of the four, who's your favorite of those that you would rather have? Pure PPR, give me D-Hop. I mean, look. I understand the upside with all these guys. They, mm -hmm. I mean, Jefferson's dealing with that AC sprain. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm that to me, you know, just kind of makes it easy to eliminate him from that tier. Right. Yeah. Um, I expect him to still have a great year, but you know, I don't want somebody injured heading into the year. So DK, as much as I love DK and he's, I mean, I think he's the best deep threat of all these three players that are mm -hmm. all great, but I just think the volume that you're going to get with DeAndre Hopkins feel makes me feel far more secure with what his PPR floor is. I mean, if you're asking me who has the best chance to catch 120 passes this year, mm -hmm. I'm, my money's on D-Hop. Yeah. And then the yardage output going to be similar, maybe not as high per reception because DK and Calvin Ridley are fantastic, you know, deep vertical threats. Yeah. But you know, have we seen Calvin Ridley in a number one capacity for, before get facing double teams all the time and facing the other teams opposing number one all the time? We yeah. haven't. Not consistently. I think he can do consistently, it. Consistently. But, we, yeah, you saw flashes of it last year when Julio was in and out, in and out. As a Julio owner, I'm aware of how often he was out. So that sucked. But I feel do feel like Ridley can sustain this wide receiver one handsomely Ridley's a baller and he's one of the best route runners in the league I, it's not me trying to throw shade at Calvin Ridley I'm just saying the, the the range of outcomes with a new offense with no Julio on the other side to, to take away coverage and attention from Calvin uh certainly leaves a little bit of unknown there yeah DK, now, to, DK to me is right behind D hop so I got a D hop DK and then Calvin Gotcha. All right. Now this next little chunk, I feel like these three are a little bit closer for me. And then these other two are neck and neck in terms of who would I rather. So okay. AJ Brown, Keenan Allen, and CeeDee Lamb. 
I feel like in terms of volume and targets alone, they're very close for me. Okay. Crazy? No? I wouldn't say you're crazy. I just, you know, with Mike Williams already kind of banged up, Mm -hmm. you know, they're in Los Angeles and Keenan Allen just being, you know, a machine as far as being able to to generate space and is one of the best route runners in the league. Um, I personally have Keenan at the higher end of, of all these guys. Yeah. And in fact, I'm, I even have Keenan above Justin Jefferson and Calvin Ridley. So, oh, I mean, that's I'm, spicy. Su- that's I'm spicy. super high. I'm super high on Keenan. Like, are it, you high? <laughs> Look, do you, do you, no, I'm not high right now. I, I feel like I'm high. I feel like I've, I've, been, I've been I've been up so long that I feel like I'm kind of delirious. But um, no, Keenan in particular, his PPR volume, like target volume, all those things with Justin Herbert, who we all think is going to be as good, if not hopefully better than what we saw in his rookie year. Yeah. I just I, I think that Keenan Allen provides incredible floor with an insanely high ceiling as far as just pure reception numbers go. Um, and then we talk about CD. I got CD higher than, than AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. It's nothing against AJ Brown, but they just upgraded from Corey Davis to Julio Jones. Yeah. Different play caller. We'll see if it has any effect on that offense. Um, AJ Brown is certainly among the very most talented wide receivers. And I love watching him play. Mm-hmm. I just, don't know how that target share is going to shake out with Julio Jones in town. Like, yeah, um, who's a pretty good wide receiver from what I'm told um, when healthy. <laughs> correct. correct. And I, I actually think that CD lamb is, I think he's going to emerge as the, the, the wide receiver to own in Dallas this year. I just, I, my gut tells me that, that he saw a lot more work in the slot than Amari Cooper did. He's, he's just, I think he's special. Um, so to me, in an offense that in a team that's going to be playing from behind the lot and does not have Derrick Henry, the best running back, pure running back in the National Football League to hand the football to um, 300 plus times. Yeah, give me CeeDee Lamb in an offense that's probably going to be throwing the ball quite a bit. All right, last one, and then we will sign off. Uh, Allen Robinson or Robert Woods. I know how you feel about Justin Fields, so I have to throw in Robinson just to see if we get another little bit of that Tate fire for Fields. I know that you're excited for him, even though he's not starting week one. He's not starting week one. Uh, I'm still going to go. I'm going to stick to my guns when it comes to this. Allen Robinson is my man, and... It's not that Robert Woods can't ball, and I'm excited to see what he can do with Matthew Stafford. I really am. Uh, but Cooper Cup is still there. Yeah. Um, I actually like Tyler Higby. Can I say it? You're, yes. Like we we need to like. It's kind of like we need to say his name every time we record a podcast. I do. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. He's like high school. Shout out. Hi, T- Higgs. I almost called him Tiggs. Tyler Higby. T Higgs. Yeah, sorry. I, I used to love saying his name, but he's like high school too. That's cool. All right. Well, yeah, if you want to do a prop bet, maybe then for the end of the season between Allen Robinson and Robert Woods, because I would prefer Robert Woods between. Okay. Okay. I'd be just give I'm me the sales say, pitch. Why? My sales pitch. Why is because I don't want to say two words, but I'm going to say two words. Sean McVay, Sean McVay offense, Sean McVay, high powered offense with a quarterback who's got a cannon for an arm and 
crazy accuracy when it comes to an efficient target. And Robert Woods is nothing if not an efficient target that's going to make a play after the catch. He is a baller, shot caller. Love me, Robert Woods. Okay. No, I I believe that McVeigh, who is one of the best play callers, offensive minds in the National Football League, is going to continue to do what he did last year. And every year that he's been the leading man there calling the shots in Los Angeles, it's just that he's going to have a guy that is not going to play uber conservative. He's going to push the football down the field when McVeigh dials up some of the best play action concepts that you can get in the National Football League. Uh, and Stafford is not going to shy away from taking his shots. No. Um, and he's got so. some great receivers to work with. So I'm going to say that Robert Woods is going to finish the season with more fantasy points than Allen Robinson. Okay. Okay. I, well, you know, Justin Fields may have a little something to say about hey, that. You the only thing that's going to work in my favor is the longer they keep him on the bench. I was going to say, <laughs> you take, you go ahead and take your victory lap on Robert Woods over Allen Robinson the first month of the season. Yeah. That's going to be the tortoise in the hair. Um, Allen Robinson's going to, yeah, he's going to get off to his slow. Hey, Robinson's not even going to get off to a slow start. Andy Dalton's still going to have to feed him the damn football, and it's not, not going to change when Justin Fields gets under center. I still think Robert Woods is going to have more fantasy points. I'm just All saying. right, I, but what do you? What, I love a, I love my Bobby Trees. What's a what's a fun what's a fun bet that we can do on it? Let's do a hat bet. Okay, okay. I could use another Steelers hat. I only have five. I bought one that was too big for the Bucks, so. <laughs> I don't know how you get too big for these ears, but it, it was. <laughs> we'll have to get you a new hat if you win. But I like the snapbacks. So when you go to buy me a hat, just know I like snapbacks. I'm more of a, you know, fitted, fitted type of guy. That's I wish I would have got the her. snapback, though. I really wish because I could have adjusted it. <laughs> Amazing. So they wasted money. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Fantasy Debate with Sam and Tate. Check out all the other content, seasonal and DFS tools, as well as premium access to our staff for all your fantasy sports questions in the members-only Discord right here at drroto.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Pick up your draft kit. If you have a draft coming this weekend, the draft kit has everything you could possibly need. It's got projections, rankings, everything you need to know about the rookies, absolutely anything you will need to win this season, plus DFS tools. There's, there's just so much stuff. If you want to win, you should just subscribe because you'll win. Absolutely. But <laughs> if you guys want to follow Derek, you can follow him at Dictator4 on all forms of social. You can follow me on Twitter at Samantha R. Holt. Guys, have a wonderful night. Till next time, everybody. Later, says the Tater. See you in a week. Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out drrodo.com. And until the next visit, be well and take care.